0: I said, well, let's ask the question in a different way. Has Jesus given everything for you? Has he dedicated his whole life to you? Has he invited you into his heart? And the answer to that is a glorious and gracious and conscious, freeing, comforting yes.
1: 500 years ago. Martin Luther would gather around the kitchen table with friends and theologians to talk about the Bible, theology, current events, and anything else. These discussions were called Table Talks. No matter what the question, the conversations always centered around Jesus and His promise of the forgiveness of sins. Table Talk Radio takes up the conversation, bringing the promise of the gospel to our lives. Stay tuned for Table Talk Radio.
2: Well, welcome to Table Talk Radio. Is This the, the show debut of Table Talk Radio. Uh, I'm Evan Giglin with Pastor Wolfmiller. Hello, Evan. Uh, well, I guess today we're just going to tell a little bit about Table Talk Radio and what we're doing here and, and well, why we're here, really. Who we are, what we're doing. What are we doing? That's a good question. Well, uh, I'm, I'm really excited about this first part because we're actually going to introduce each other. Um, <laughs> and uh, this might be interesting. So, uh, is it all right if I take, take Go a ahead. crack at you first? Go ahead. Okay, well, this is, uh, uh, my, my co host, Reverend Brian Wolfmiller. And, uh, well, he grew up in the deserts of New Mexico where he was adopted by a, a local Indian tribe. <laughs> 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 by the way, uh, very little of this is factual, just, uh, just so our listeners know. You got my name right so far. Yeah, that's about it. Um, well, this, uh, Indian tribe that, adopted him is the tribe that gave him the nickname Crying Wolf, which uh, later became his his last name. And uh, how am I doing so far? Good. Okay. Um, Well, then then in a refusal to work at the Reservations Casino, uh, Brian decided to uh, wander around the the globe until he uh, met a woman who would have pity on him and and marry him. And... um, then before becoming a, a Lutheran, uh, Brian tried to evangelize to Lutherans, telling them to accept Jesus into their hearts, just as he did every other week. <laughs> more, It's more like once a week, really. Oh, okay. Well, then, uh, then one day, in the midst of Brian's uh, liturgical karaoke, God spoke to Brian. He said, crying wolf, why do you persecute Lutherans? <laughs> And then uh, Ryan decided to go to uh, the Lutheran theology, learn Lutheran theology, become a pastor. And then uh, years later he would meet a clown who would convince him to uh, be on the radio.
0: Yeah, I started to change my mind about would, that. Who uh,
2: would uh, humiliate him on on uh, him on a regular basis, so. I, I appreciate it. That is the the factual <laughs> account of uh the history of Brian Wolfmiller. Uh, it's my pleasure to introduce
0: next uh Uh-oh. my co-host Evan Gagline. I didn't know we were writing Aesop's fables for the introduction. <laughs> Uh, so all I have are the facts and just the facts, and they are three. Evan uh, Gagline is from Yuma, Colorado. He is a, uh, has a long history of radio. He did radio shows when he was in high school, the uh, summers when he was in college. Uh, and uh, they were all successful, really, until uh, until this one. <laughs> Evan's a first-year seminary student at Concordia Theological Seminary in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Um, he just finished his first year, but they're probably going to make him do the classes uh, over after they see the exam results. And uh, Evan hatched the idea of this show, Table Talk Radio, uh, because he he has been wanting for ages to uh to play the segment who wants to date oh no a seminarian play that right yeah. now? <laughs> <laughs> and so Evan this is really just a big uh, a, a big um uh, scheme for Evan to try to find a date we're I'm not sure how well it's gonna work Evan Ooh,
2: well uh um, do you want to maybe give a little bit more uh, factual bio of, of who you really are
0: sure glad to uh I should say this. I was born uh, or baptized a Lutheran uh, and confirmed a Lutheran in the Evangelical Lutheran Church. Uh, when I was confirmed in that church, we never studied the catechism. So I I didn't learn Lutheranism. In high school and in college, uh, I began to wander around uh, through the wilderness of American evangelicalism. Calvary Chapel had some time in the Southern Baptist Church. And, and this is really where um, my theology grew. I studied the scriptures and uh, doctrinally. Uh, theologically, I was uh, right in line uh, with them. I, 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 did, I met my wife, uh, Carrie. We, we met uh, in the late 90s. Uh, I was teaching a college Bible class at a Southern Baptist church, and she was uh, one of the members of the Bible class as well. We together sort of became discontent at the teaching in the churches and so, and so started a pilgrimage that took us through just about every church body. Um, that you could name, uh, we would visit churches, talk with the pastors or priests about their teaching and doctrine, and all of this sort of thing, uh, until we found ourselves in an adult instruction class, a Lutheran uh, church, missouri Synod congregation. We went through the instruction class, still had problems, went back over and over and over. But after the end, we di- uh, the end of the classes and the end of our discussions, we uh, we decided, came to the conviction that the Lutheran Church teaches the simplicity of Christ. Uh, it doesn 't add or take away from the lord 's word, uh, but just gives it straight so that was um that was how we became Lutheran. It was shortly after that that we were married uh, a couple of years later. Our first daughter was born, we headed off to the seminary and graduated two thousand and five uh, and have been a pastor here at Hope Lutheran Church in Aurora, Colorado uh, ever since so that's the that 's the real story uh, sorry it 's not as
2: adventuresome that no wolves uh, involved or uh, deserts or uh casinos sorry. We do want to talk about the uh, few ways that it, that people can get involved with Table Talk Radio. The first being emailing us if they have comments or questions. You can always email us uh, uh, questions at tabletalkradio.org. Um, actually, our, our website is a great resource to kind of see uh, what we're doing and, and, and what kind of trouble we're getting ourselves into. And the website is? Uh, tabletalkradio.org. Yep. Um, the other way people can uh, get involved with the show is through Skypecast. Go to our website and there's a a page that says Skypecast right there on the on the page and they have to download Skype and then you can listen to the live recording of Table Talk Radio. Actually, if you're listening to us on Skype, you actually uh, get involved by calling us through Skype and, and give us your two cents with, with Table Talk Radio. So we do have an 800 number. Do you have that number? No. Good, because I was just pulling it up as stalling so I could uh, <laughs> get it. And that number is eight six six. Eight five one five five two three. And you can leave feedback
0: there. You can leave questions that we'll try to answer on air. Anything else you'd like to say, you can put on that uh, on that phone
2: number as well. The number again is 851 five two three. Five five two three. Got it. Yeah. Write that down so we don't have to uh, look that up on the website every single time. But <laughs> it is all on the website, tabletalkradio.org. And
0: on the website, you can download
2: previous issues. Uh, That's true. The, of the show. Listen that way. Yeah. Podcasts. Um, uh, there's articles that I have written, none of. Uh,
0: get to it now. It's summertime. You'll have some time.
2: Yeah, I'll t- I'll try to get that. I'll I'll get some articles up there. So but we do we do like to uh, hear from the listeners uh, what's going on and, and things like that. So.
0: And one of one other piece of business that we need to take care of in this first segment is to explain a little bit about what we're doing and and why we're doing it. You know, most it seems like most Christian radio shows they they take themselves very seriously. But they take their doctrine, the teaching of the Lord Jesus, uh, not as seriously. We want to turn that on its head. Uh, we, we don't want to take ourselves seriously. But the doctrine that our Lord Jesus gives to us, uh, we want to take with the utmost seriousness. So we do want to have fun. Uh, theology, it gives us life. Uh, and, and so it should be—it uh, should be our great joy uh, to talk about the Lord's word and to hear about it. So we want to have fun with that. We want to play a lot of games so that you can, uh, as, as you're listening, you, you'll, your mind will be engaged as well, and you can enjoy uh, the, the time that we spend learning about the Lord's uh, about the Lord's word. And we did—we did want to talk a little bit to um, Evan about uh, about what we believe.
2: Right. Yes.
0: We can we can speak of this perhaps in two ways uh, in a few minutes. Every th- Theology, uh, every uh, church uh, has both a source and content of the doctrine in in theology you know you 'll learn this at the seminary they call it the formal principle and the material principle but it's basically where does your theology come from and what does your theology center on and and for both of us as well as for any lutheran really our theology the source of our theology are the the scriptures alone the lord's word the word of the of the prophets and apostles this is the source the only source for all of our doctrine and teaching uh and the the center of our theology the content of it the beating heart of Uh, of our teaching is the gospel which is the promise of the forgiveness of sins that christ won for us in his death on the cross so uh, so all our doctrine comes from the scriptures and our doctrine centers on jesus on christ and him crucified Uh, those of you who are listening we want you to hear in your ears the promise that jesus has for you which is that your sins are forgiven uh, not by anything you've done uh, not by anything you've intended to do, not by, uh, not by any works or, or righteousness that you have in and of yourself, but as a free gift that comes from his death. Christ died uh, for sinners. Uh, we, we are the foremost of those sinners. But his death is for us, and and in that death, this is just unbelievable, really. In that death, he he takes our sins and and forgets them. He wipes them all away. And in place of those, in place of our sinfulness, in place of our death, he gives us his righteousness and his holiness, uh, his, his perfection. He sees us as if we had never done anything wrong.
2: Yes, and um, we are going to uh, a little later in the show to discuss how that maybe has real effects on mankind. Um, we, we're di- in the last segment of this program. We'll be talking about um, an ER clip from the TV show ER, you know your favorite show, and um, <laughs> the, the, we're going to discuss a clip where a man is is actually on his deathbed and uh, is facing the, the punishment of sin. And um, we'll discuss uh, what kind of uh, message a person like that needs to hear. That's at the end of the show. What's between now and then? Well, uh, next we're going to be talking about um, the solos of the Reformation. Very good. That's uh, I'm looking forward to
0: hearing what you have to say about that.
2: Oh, I thought you were going <laughs> to cover that. Well, the, the the after that though, we're going to be playing uh, Name That Theologian. That'll be great. We'll have some quotations from different theologians,
0: and we can go back and forth. Evan and I will try to guess uh, and uh, and play a little game. You can play along with us. So.
2: Oh, very good any any anything else before we uh before we go to this uh, first commercial break
0: no i think i think that covers it it's a uh, well maybe one more thing it is a marvelous privilege to be given by the lord jesus the opportunity to speak his name and his gospel and so i i uh as we get started perhaps right at the very beginning to say that it's a fantastic privilege that we have uh to to speak the lord's name and his goodness to all of those listening and we're glad to have you listening and we look forward to hearing from you and and hearing your feedback as well
2: yes all right well uh, we're going to go to our first commercial break uh, stay tuned for uh, more table talk radio right after this break To Table Talk Radio, uh, you know we uh, are going into uh, talk about Lutheran theology and you know, what brought about Lutheranism. And maybe talk a little bit about uh, what was going on about the time of the Reformation. Is that right?
0: Yeah, that sounds great. I, you know, I get asked the question as a Lutheran pastor all the time. I, I'm asked the question, what uh, What do you Lutherans believe? Um, and, and if there's not time to talk about it, you know, the best way to, to do it very simply is to is to say. Um, Use these three, what we call the Reformation solas. We believe in Scripture alone, in grace alone, and in faith alone, and that these three uh, these three solas really in, encapsulate uh, the summary of Lutheran teaching. Of course, it's it's always oversimplistic, uh, and if there's time, you want to talk a little bit more clearly about what we do believe. But this is a good way to get into it. So I think in this segment we we called this segment "What Does This Mean?" and we're going to we're going to talk about these three solas: uh, the Scripture, uh, grace, and faith.
2: Very good. Um, okay, so at, at the time of the Reformation, what was going on um, in the church, and, and what were the the issues being dealt with, just very briefly?
0: Well, sure. The, you know, the the, the Reformation. The, people say it started with the Ninety Five Theses, and Luther was protesting the, um, uh, the the selling of indulgences. These were these were um, documents that you could buy, and they were they were promises from the Pope, the pope that you would get time out of purgatory, your loved ones would get time out of purgatory and the really kind of gross abuses of it was there were the indulgence seller john tetzel was going around and he would say when a coin in the coffer uh rings a soul from purgatory springs this this kind of thing uh and and so luther wrote the 95 theses to co- combat this but really that was just a surface issue there was really a, a different theology there, uh the 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 medieval catholicism they had the scriptures and they had god's grace and they had faith but they weren't alone they were they were paired with other things so it was scripture and scripture plus a grace plus faith plus so so it was scripture and a tradition and the living voice of the church. Uh, it, was, it was grace and merit god 's grace poured into our heart, which produced meritorious works of love, which were satisfactory to God, so that God would give us His grace, and then cooperating with it, we would do things that were pleasing to Him and earn our salvation and it wasn 't just faith by itself, it was faith and love faith faith working through love is what mattered so it 's not as if the scriptures or grace or or faith weren't around in the medieval church they were they were there, certainly they were there but it it was the fact that there was uh, that there was something always being added to them, they weren't allowed to, to stand on their own, and anything you add anytime you add something to the, to the scriptures or to grace or to faith, it's really what you add is, is what matters. So the Reformation now is that process, is a theological process of letting those things which God would have stand alone stand alone. and those are scripture, and grace, and faith, which give us in the end Christ alone. Uh, as the one winning our salvation and giving us the comfort of the forgiveness of all of our sins.
2: Right, so which of, which of these would be appropriate to talk about first uh, in more detail?
0: Well, ha- let's start with Scripture alone. Okay,
2: Scripture alone. So we, we you said there's Scripture plus something else. Uh, the, something else then was the, the traditions of the church, finding uh, inspiration in, in the tradition of the church. Um,
0: right, we- to say that the church was infallible or that the pope, when he spoke ex-cathedra, could not err, so that the tradition uh, and the living voice of the church has the same authority as the scriptures do themselves. Which means, in the end, and this is kind of the trick, it means that really the voice that matters in the church is the voice of the the church and not the voice of the scriptures. Because the tradition can come along, you have to get at the scriptures through the tradition, and and so it's really the tradition uh, that's governing the teaching in the church. But look, that's not the only thing that wants to go along with the scriptures. I mean, uh, we still do have churches where tradition stands as an authority, but I think what we fight against today is adding other things to the scriptures. So it's not scripture alone but you say scripture and reason or scripture and experience or something like this so that still we uh, things are being added to the scriptures and we have to we have to say no th- that the scriptures must stand alone as the one voice that speaks in the church
2: mm-hmm. and I, i've talked to i, I don't think that uh, we're past that uh, uh wrong teaching at all um I, i've talked to Christians today and they they'll continue to have some sort of uh doctrines of beliefs which they hold fast to but have no biblical grounding for it, for a t- particular teaching.
0: Right. Or they'll come to a teaching of the scripture, and they'll look at it, and they'll say, well, I see that what the Bible says is, is
2: plain, what it says there, but it doesn't make sense. So we're attaching reason to it again.
0: Yeah, it goes against
2: my reason, so it can't be true. Okay, so we have a scripture alone, uh, which teaches Christ alone. Would that be the next logical...
0: Yeah, that's right. That to I mean, this, the center of the scriptures is Jesus. We know that the scriptures are divided really in two-part law and gospel, the law to show us our own sinfulness and our need for Christ. And then the, the chief and the sinner, the beating heart of the scriptures, are, are, are our Lord Jesus and his death uh, for us and, and in our place. That, uh, that's what the Bible is talking about. Remember how what Jesus said in the, to the Pharisees. This is in uh, John chapter 5. You search the scriptures thinking that in them uh, you have life. You don't know that these are they which testify of me. So that the scriptures are always a testimony to to Christ. Or uh, here, this is from Acts uh, chapter 10. To him, that is to Jesus, all the prophets give witness that through his name, whoever believes in him shall receive the forgiveness of sins. Acts 10.43. So all the prophets, that's the Old Testament as well as the New Testament, say that whoever believes in Jesus has the forgiveness of sins. So this is the central article of the of the scriptures is is Christ and Him alone. There's no other no other uh, Savior. There's no one else who who gives forgiveness and life and salvation. Jesus is the only one, the only way to the Father. I'm the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me.
2: And once again, I hear uh, a lot of good Christians, well-intending Christians, who will say, "Yeah, it's only by Christ alone." But then you dig a little bit deeper, and it's uh, in your best efforts, or or uh, you know. If someone didn't really uh, have the opportunity to hear about Christ, and as long as they did the best, best they could, um, in fact, we're going to be talking about it in future shows when we talk about uh, people on the streets. How do you get to heaven? Uh, as, long, as long as you do the best you can.
0: Yeah, it's. I, I was driving down the street the other day, and there was a Unitarian church, and and there was a sign out in front of the Unitarian church, and it said, uh, uh, "Many paths to a loving God." this sort of thing, so that it's not Christ alone, but it's whatever you want. I mean, the, see see how the alone is what gets you in trouble. Well, people don't mind if you say that Christ saves you, but if you say Christ alone saves, oh, now you're excluding all sorts of things. So so that alone, really, we have to stick it in there, because Jesus will not share the stage with other gods, with other idols. He, he won't do it. In fact, and the, we were thinking about this a little bit this morning, uh, Evan, is that whenever we believe the truth of what the Lord Jesus says, we are rejecting one of the devil's lies it's always it's you can imagine if if Jesus is standing there speaking to us, the devil kind of stands in his shadow and echoes what he says with a lie, so that every time we believe what the Lord says, we have to therefore also be rejecting what the devil says to us. We have to throw it off and reject it so when we believe the truth we're uh, we're, we're throwing off error, and that's and that's how it is with Christ. When we say that Jesus saves, we're saying that nothing else does. He, he alone is our Savior uh, and our Lord.
2: So are these uh, merited to us by our doings or uh, anything that we do?
0: No, that's I mean, really, what gets us to grace alone and faith alone—that it's uh, grace, not merit. It's God's smile that does it. It's His work. It's His His efforts. His doing. He He's the one who's who's giving us. A faith giving us salvation who's calling us to be his own children apart from anything that we do, and that's faith alone too. It's not faith plus works or faith plus love. Faith is and we should have a definition of faith, and faith is uh being given to it's it's being passive it's receiving the gifts. Uh, that are That are being offered to us by the Lord in his love and, and in his mercy, so when we when we say faith alone, we're saying that it's it's by His works alone, by his goodness alone, by his promise alone, by his forgiveness alone, by his declaring us to be holy and righteous, and, and nothing that we do to add to it or even to receive it or to keep it or to build it up, none of that. The Lord alone uh, is giving us life and salvation.
2: Well, I don't think there's anything wrong with talking about an active faith, but the active faith is in 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 this world, in this realm, uh serving our neighbor. Um whereas what we're talking about is before God. And um uh, there is no uh active faith that earns us righteousness. It's rather a passive faith that's been given to us. Yeah. And, it, it, and when you make it an active faith before God, then then you are then taking away the faith alone, its faith plus works
0: yes god alone will receive the glory for our salvation if we try to take any of it uh then we're taking it from him and he's no no uh, i will be glorified in in all that i do in in the cross in my death and my resurrection i uh, i'm doing all the work and and we can add to it uh nothing we can take from it nothing The, the lord has has done it all in this way faith and love are really the opposites of each other Faith is what receives, and love is what gives. Ah, very good. So faith is is on the getting end, and love is on the getting end. And there, this is it's great how it works out in the scripture. So you have, for example, this John three sixteen, this most famous verse: uh, For God so loved the world that he gave. gave That's because love gives. That's what it does. No no man has greater love than this than that he lay down his life for a friend. Says Jesus. So that love is this laying down of life, this giving, this sort of thing. Faith is the opposite. It's 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 what receives it's it's what um, it's being on the getting end of of the Lord's gifts so we have faith in God we receive from him all good things that he has and then we have love for our
2: neighbor we lay down our lives in service to them. Okay so uh, there's a lot of uh, discussion about uh, what is grace then so in 30 seconds how would you define grace.
0: Well let's do it just do it like this grace is the smile of God the smile of God on us it's his it's his divine favor. So that he looks at us not with a scowl or with anger, but but with joy and, and, and happiness. Because, because when he looks at us, he sees by faith. This is marvelous. He sees not our sin, not our wretchedness, not our death, but rather he sees the righteousness of Jesus, which has been imputed to us, laid on top of us. So he sees us as perfect and holy, as if we'd never sinned and always done everything right. So that's the
2: grace of God, his smile. Very good. Well, let's see... Uh... How we can take care of that then when we get into the next segment of Table Talk Radio, that is, name that theologian. We're having kind of a contest here. Back and on forth. Name that theologian, so I'm going to try to beat Pastor Wolf Miller. We'll see if that happens. You'll see how your luck is. We'll be right back on Table Talk Radio. Back to Table Talk Radio. You've joined us for Name That Theologian. I'm Evan with Pastor Wolf Miller. This is and, my uh, favorite game in
0: the history of Table Talk Radio. This
2: is the first show. Okay, and <laughs> the first game. Yes. Well, so that's fine. All right. Well,
0: <laughs> tell us how to play. As Evan. he
2: shuffles his papers around, we are uh, going to be uh, n- naming a few uh, a, new, a few quotes from uh, certain theologians and uh trying to give a hint of, of who the theologian is that we're quoting and uh see if we can name the theologian as the as the name of the game hints
0: that sounds good so we have uh two or three quotations from each uh each theologian it's a person of church history and as we listen to these quotations
2: those of you who are listening can play along think who who could this possibly be right right um we have a few people listening on on Skype right now. if they know the answer, can they chime in and, and offer help sounds great okay so if uh if they if they call in while it's my turn, I get the points accredited <laughs> to me that, that they work so hard to gain like the doctrine of justification <laughs> unearned. Okay, so uh, the, did, did we describe the number
0: of points that we get? It looks like the points that are on the line here, we've settled on the number. If we guess outright who the uh, theologian is, you get 200 points. If you have to go for multiple choice and then choose the right theologian, you get 100 points. And if you get it wrong, you get, of
2: course, no points. Uh-oh. Okay, so mine are kind of easy. This ah, I should have picked harder ones. Yeah, you should have. Sorry. All right. That's what happens when you do your show prep during the break. (laughs) (laughs) That wasn't an exceptionally long break now that you mentioned it. (laughs) Oh, boy. Okay, so uh, I'll go first. Okay. This quote, the first quote is, God buries his workmen but carries his work. God buries his workmen but carries his
0: work. That is correct. Oh, man. All right. I don't even know what
2: that means. (laughs) you got to give me another one okay you want you want the next one then this one might be a little bit easier the christian life is about the purity of intention and dedicating all the life to god the Christian life. Now, look, uh, you have this limitation here on the, who these could be is anyone in the entire history of the church. My mine, my limitation is anyone in the entire history except for the Reformation. Except for the Reformation. Okay, so give me
0: that second one
2: again. Okay. The Christian life is about the purity of intention and dedicating all the life to God. And we have no Skype listeners willing to help you out. Come on. <laughs> all right, well, I have one...
0: Dedicating the whole life to God. All right. This could be just about anyone after 1700.
2: Okay, next. (laughs) All right. Oh, no, I can't give you this one. This is going to completely give it away. Well, that's all right. Ah, okay. Here it is. For a thousand tongues to sing my great Redeemer's praise. Oh, oh, for a thousand tongues... Th- oh, so this is the hymn writer. Yes. Uh, yes. Da, 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 da. So do you know who wrote that great hymn, Gosh. Oh, for a Thousand Tongues to Sing? Oh, Oh, I was so nervous I was going to give it away for oh. you. <sighs> Maybe some of our Skype listeners. By the way, if you don't know this already, log on to our website, uh Tabletalkradio.org, and we have a Skypecast page. Mm-hmm. Check out when we're recording next. You can actually listen to us live as we're recording and give Pastor Wolfmiller a prayer in some of these games. <laughs> I don't have one on the over oh, a
0: thousand tongues. That's a that's an Ascension hymn. Uh, we just sang it just a few weeks ago. Um all right. Look, I, I so I know some popular hymn writers. The idea that God carries is where He buries is where he carry. and this idea of dedicating the whole life to God. I I am going to guess. This is. Oh wait, wait a minute. I, I could go to the option of having a multiple choice. Let me take a guess first, and then if I get it wrong, you can give me uh, multiple
2: choice options. Uh, John Wesley. That is correct. <laughs> Okay, now, now describe what gave it away here.
0: Well, first of all, John Wesley is the founder of the old, uh, good old Methodists, our friends, and uh, he speaks of uh, – the second quote really is perhaps the,
2: the one to dwell on. right? Where, where it says that uh, – could you give it to us Yeah, again? the Christian life is about the purity of intention – and dedicating all the life to God. Right. Uh, Wesley had
0: the doctrine of Christian perfection, which said that through the help of the Holy Spirit that we could, in this life, reach a state of sinless perfection. He wrote about it on Christian perfection. That's his big tract. and. Uh, his big deal uh and so the the idea is you have certain methods this is where the Methodist Church came from that you go through in order to increase your sanctification that you 're giving your whole life to god and and it 's about you uh submitting your life it 's about you handing over your life and this sort of thing now that 's not necessarily wrong it 's just impossible. <laughs> I mean, the law does require that we hand our entire lives over to God and that everything we do in thought, word, and deed is love for Him and for our neighbor. I mean, that's what it says. Uh, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. The trouble is in this life we 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 never can do it and every single day that law stands accusing us so rather than finding the center of our christian life in those things that we're doing to attain perfection we find the, our christian life in the in what jesus gave for us I was talking to a guy a couple of weeks ago, and he's, uh, the, uh, this excuse me, this lady, and we met at McDonald's. I went in to return the movie, and there she was. Started, she wanted to talk about this sort of thing, and she just talked about how her pastor is always talking about: Have you given your whole life to Jesus? Have you have you submitted your whole life to Him? Have you completely dedicated every part of yourself to? And I said, Well, what's the answer? And she says, That's the trouble. The answer is always no. They said, well, let's ask the question a different way. Has Jesus given everything for you? Has he dedicated his whole life to you? Has he invited you into his heart? And the answer to that is a glorious and gracious and conscious, freeing, comforting yes.
2: So the the difference in a way um, someone who ascribes to Wesleyan theology and perhaps Lutheran theology would be this, that the goal of the the Wesleyan theologian is to uh, constantly be getting better, becoming closer and closer to perfection and always finding failure in in what God commands of us, whereas um, a, a Lutheran theologian would, would always be in constant repentance and, uh, and reminding himself of his baptism, which all these great gifts, which you just mentioned, were bestowed to him.
0: Yeah, the righteousness comes from not what we're doing or even what we intend to do, but it comes from... What
2: Jesus has done for us, and our faith in that is our righteousness. Okay, you better go now. We have, we have uh, we're short on time. We might only get a couple theologies right, in here, here.
0: Here we go. Number one, uh, this is for you, Evan. I have two hundred points by the way. Uh, you oh, keeping rub score it in. at home? Rub it right? in. I should have gone with my second one first. <laughs> here's some. Here's here's three quotations. First, also they teach that men cannot be justified before God by their own strength, merit, or works, but are freely justified for Christ's sake through faith. When they believe that they are received into favor and that their sins are forgiven for Christ's sake, who, by his death, has made satisfaction for our sins. This faith God imputes for righteousness in his sight. Romans 3 and 4. Okay. Number one. Number two. All scripture ought to be distributed into these two principal topics, the law and the promises. For in some places it presents the law and in others the promise concerning Christ. Either that when in the Old Testament it promises that Christ will come and offers for his sake the forgiveness of sins, justification, eternal life, or when in the Gospel in the New Testament, Christ himself, since he has appeared, promises the forgiveness of sins, justification, and eternal life. Moreover, in this discussion, by law we mean the Ten Commandments when they're read in the Scriptures. Of these two parts, law and gospel, the adversaries select the law. Because human reason naturally understands in some way the law, for it has the same judgment divinely written in the mind. And by the law, they seek remission of sins and justification.
2: I'm hoping that our Skype cast listeners are going to ding in on this one. Anyway, there's one more quote. One
0: more quote. Ready? Uh, And the difference between this faith and the righteousness of the law can easily be discerned. Faith is the divine service which receives the benefits offered by God. We we talked about this earlier. How faith receives. Faith is the divine service which receives the benefits offered by God. The righteousness of the law is the divine service which offers to God our merits. By faith, God wishes to be worshipped in this way: that we receive from Him those things which He promises and offers.
2: There you have it. Okay. Um. So I need an I need to peg a certain theologian then, huh? Yes. Uh, and
0: you're, of course, we're talking, I have uh, for you, Reformation theologians.
2: Okay, so uh, can I ask you a question before I, I take a stab in the dark at mm-hmm, this? Mm-hmm. Uh, would some of these quotes be maybe found in the uh, Book of Concord? Perhaps. Um, in the Book of Concord, of course, is the uh, the, the confessions of the Lutheran Church, um, which have uh, always taught what Lutherans believe. Is that correct? Yeah, that's true. Okay, so a theologian that might be associated with the Book of Concord. Right. Can I uh, – I'm going to guess Melanchthon. You got it. Is that 200 uh, points? Are we tied?
0: <laughs> you uh, For the full 200 points, I'd like to know the first name. <laughs> I don't
1: know. I'm going to – <laughs> You're stuck on this the first time? So,
0: Mr. Melanchthon. Mr. He wasn't a pastor. <laughs> Philip. Philip, that's right. Philip. I can't remember. I don't know if it had one L or two. Philip Melanchthon is right. All right, you can have the full uh, 200 points.
2: Maybe 199 since I couldn't get the... Uh, no, that's all right. Okay, so 200, 200. 200. Um Okay, so uh, th- those are those are uh, pretty explicit about what they're talking about, uh, that we are we're saved, kind of what we talked about last last. Segment, of grace alone, faith alone, Christ alone. Um, those those are all right there.
0: That's right. And there's this marvelous part in this last one. It talks about worship. Uh, faith is the worship which receives the benefits offered from God. The law is the worship which offers to God our merits. And then it says by this, God wants to be worshiped by faith. In other words, worship is not us serving God, but rather us, God serving us. That's, that's marvelous, isn't mm,
2: it? Yeah, yeah. Um, well, uh, next up in Table Talk Radio, we'll be talking about uh, uh, a clip. We're done already. Yeah, I can't gonna, believe we're gonna it. We're going to have uh, to close, uh, name that theologian early. However, we can save our – our other theologians for future use. I've got a stumper for the next one, so I'm, well, I'm going to do some homework between now and then. So, but <laughs> uh, stay tuned for more Table Talk Radio. We uh, discussing a clip uh, featured on the TV show ER, and discussing uh, what verses, what uh, what words would console a, a man on his deathbed. Uh, so, we'll be right back on Table Talk. Radio. Time flies and you're having fun. You're listening to Table Talk Radio uh, with Evan and Pastor Wolf Miller. What does time do when you're trying to take a nap? Um, I don't know. That's a good question. <laughs> <laughs> um, the next, this next segment deserves a little explanation. Um, it's a clip from episode of ER, the uh, episode called Atonement. And uh, let me set it up a little bit. In this clip, there is a, uh, a retired doctor who is, who is on his deathbed and um he was a doctor that served in uh in the prison system giving lethal injections to those on death row and uh what he describes right before this clip is that there was a man who uh, he was ordered to uh, insert lethal injection to and the injection failed he d- he did not die um so he uh, he tried harder and then eventually he he carried out his task well later after he had had, uh, done this, it was revealed that the man he, he put to death was in fact innocent. And he was carrying heavy guilt. So here's a clip from ER, and then we're gonna come back and discuss it.
0: And we have, should have a quick warning too. If, if, uh, children are listening, this is, it's a pretty serious clip.
2: I sure. And it's, yeah.
0: uh, it's very emotional too. And so, uh, just to be aware of that as we get started. Yeah, okay, well, here we go.
3: Seven months later, a police officer came forward. The boy was framed for the murder. He didn't do it. You couldn't have known that. God tried to stop me from killing an innocent man, and I ignored the sign. How can I even hope for forgiveness? I think sometimes it's easier to feel guilty than forgiven. Which means what? That maybe your guilt over these deaths has become your reason for living. And maybe you need a new reason to go on. I, I, I don't want To go on, can't you see? I'm old. I have cancer. I've had enough. The only thing that is holding me back is that I am afraid. I'm afraid of what comes next. And what do you think that is? Oh, you tell me. Is atonement even possible? What does God want from me? I think it's up to each one of us to interpret what God wants. So people can do anything. They can rape, they can murder, they can steal all in the name of God, and it's okay. No, that's not what I'm saying. Well, what are you saying? Because all I'm hearing is some new age. God is love. One size fits all crap. Hey, Dr. Truman. No. I don't have time for this now. Greg, it's okay. Okay, I understand. No, you don't understand. You don't understand. How could you possibly say that? Now, you listen to me. I want a real chaplain who believes in a real God and a real hell. I hear that you're frustrated, but you need to ask yourself... No, I don't need to ask myself. I need answers. And all your questions and your uncertainty are only making things worse. I know you're upset. God, I need someone who will look me in the eye and tell me how to find forgiveness because I am running out of time. I'm trying to help. Well, don't. Just get out. Get out. Get out. Get out!
2: Okay, that was a that was a pretty intense. Um, so obviously this this man is facing death and and um has a has a heavy conscience. Yeah, that's right. He really
0: uh, nailed this chaplain, though. Uh, You know, she said uh, she talked about feeling guilty, or what do you think that is, or it's up for us to interpret this sort of thing. And and he said to her, called her right out, and said, "Look, your questions, your uncertainty, you are making things worse." You see, she she wasn't she wasn't able or equipped to deal with something actual guilt. Actual sin, actual God's actual wrath. These—it was just simply for her a matter of feelings, a matter of um, uh, emotions, a matter of understanding, but not a, an actual matter of of what it's like for a person to stand before God, to to be before His face, to have to have God's frown and
2: wrath standing over him. She she knew nothing of that. Right, and and, and also in in the other parts of the episode. Uh, later, the uh, the doctor went to consult his chaplain, who was obviously very upset that she was unable to to help this man. And uh, she said that she studied world religion in a kind of a pluralistic way. I think that was kind of the way that would make everyone happy. Okay, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna you know rain on anyone's parade of of their choice of religion. Therefore, I'll, I'll, I'll please everyone. And um, we found that we talked about that early in the program that we said that that you know Christ alone. Uh, w- when we say Christ alone, that that is. You're thinking Christ is the exclusive way for salvation. Right. And I thought about this before, and I thought, you know, when we have an exclusive way to heaven, there's a lot of certainty to be found in that. Yeah. Uh, but when it, it's pluralistic saying all roads go to heaven, that really leaves you with no certainty whatsoever. Yeah, that's right. Look, it's uh, the the only way to have comfort
0: uh, and ha- is to have certainty. Uh, the only way um, to that our conscience can be stilled is, in, is when faith comes and casts out any doubt uh, that uh, the, that clings to our flesh, so that we so that we have to have the clear word of God that that even though we are sinners, that the Lord has sent His Son to die for our sin. So this is the question that we you know want to perhaps consider with this clip is that I mean the guy says he says get me a real chaplain who believes in a real God and a real hell so so then the question really is is given to to any christian that would uh, you know be called into this situation but especially for pastors uh what do you bring when you come into this sort of situation when there's someone who's who's standing on the brink of of their death and, and facing before them god's wrath what what do you bring what what do you say uh, what do you do in a situation like that and it's a great question for us to reflect on
2: oh yeah it really is um can I, can I ask, as a pastor ha, have you faced a sui- situation or similar to this? Uh
0: yes not not exactly this uh, with this sort of emotional intensity. Uh normally people's guilt uh that I've experienced anyways takes the form not of anger but of shame. Mm-hmm. Uh not there's a fear there uh just that they haven't been good enough. That they haven't done enough. That God is not pleased with them. And if you're some sort of new-age chaplain like the scout was, what you say to that is, well, no, uh, no you, surely you've done enough. You've tried. You've been good. But the answer keeps coming back, no, I haven't. And it's true. I haven't. I haven't done enough. I haven't been good enough. I haven't followed God's law. I haven't uh, kept his commandments. I haven't done this sort of stuff. That's true. And we, so we have to acknowledge the truth of our sin. I mean, that comes first of all for this guy who feels this guilt. I mean, you don't want to get into a disputation about whether or not uh, it was actually a sin to follow out his vocation of executioner and this sort of thing. I mean, that's not, it's not really the time for it. It would be a good discussion to have later. But when you're facing, when you're in the throes of this sort of thing and, and, and facing death, what needs to come clear, uh, absolutely clear, is that Christ died for sinners. Not for pretend sinners, not for 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 people who are always holy. The, he came to rescue those who are dead in their trespasses and sins. Uh, perhaps the best example then, uh, in from the scriptures, of this sort of forgiveness is King David, who you remember committed adultery with Bathsheba. Uh, he was he was home, and there was this uh, military man's wife there bathing on the roof. He saw her. He had. Uh, Her and it turns up that she's pregnant, and so uh, David, to cover up his sin, brings Uriah, uh, her husband, back from the war and and tries to trick him to going in uh, to her to cover up his sin. But he's too faithful to David and to the nation that he won't do it. He sleeps at David's door, so David sends him back with his own death note, telling uh, you know with the with the instructions to put him at the fiercest fight and then to pull back so that Uriah will be. Will be killed. So that David committed adultery and he committed murder. He and this was not accidental. It was premeditated, thought out. It was murder. So so the question then is, can God have forgiveness for someone like King David? And the answer, I mean, this is really for a man, and really for in the throes of conscience like the guy in the clip, but for all of us, there's there's some marvelous comfort here. Is the answer is yes and God sends Nathan the prophet to David. You remember how this goes and he says he tells him the story with a sheep. A rich man had thousands of sheep. His neighbor had one and the guy a friend comes to visit and he and the rich man steals the one sheep from the poor man and kills it and David says, uh, bring me such a man for he will be put to death." And and Nathan the prophet says, "You are the man." And David he's broken. He's crushed. He realizes what he's done. That not only has he stole the, the man's lamb, but he also had the man put to death. And yet the Lord uh, comes to, to David through the prophet Nathaniel and says, The Lord has put away your sin. Uh, through Christ, this is what the word that each of us has, is that the Lord has put away our sin he put it away when he put it on the shoulders of his son and when jesus was dying he was dying he was suffering the wrath of god for all of our sins so that we would not have to suffer it i mean this is how john the baptist preaches behold the lamb of god who takes away the sin of the world and so jesus has taken away our sin the man who's dying sin king david's sin everyone's sin
2: he's bore it so that we could have life and forgiveness and that's what god's word declares of us you know uh, just as, as God said, let there be light, and there was light, He's, he declares us righteous, and we are righteous. Um, and that, that's the, the forgiveness and hope that we find in the very word of God itself, uh, given to us uh, by grace alone, through faith alone, by Christ alone, as we've talked about earlier in this program. Uh, well, I, I think that covers it for Table Talk Radio today. So uh, i see you again, and thank you for listening to Table Talk Radio.
1: You've been listening to Table Talk Radio. The views expressed on this show are that of the hosts and do not reflect the views or opinions of this station. We would like to answer your questions concerning theology, the scriptures, or anything else. Send your questions to questions at tabletalkradio.org or leave us a voicemail message, 866-851-5523. Be sure to check out our website, tabletalkradio.org. Thanks for listening and tune in again next time to Table Talk Radio.